0: In Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. A true minister of Jesus Christ must be able to hear from the Holy Spirit of God in order to know that which God wants spoken when he appears before the congregation. There are many messages that could be spoken, but the one that does the work of God is the message which god wants spoken at that exact point in time we know that message because we know the holy spirit when he speaks and brings to our mind scriptures and concepts we know when the holy spirit is speaking and we follow him as true ministers of Jesus Christ. I don't prepare messages ahead of time. I don't get up in front of a group of people with a pre-prepared message. Usually I don't have any idea what I'm going to speak until I get ready to step out in front of the congregation. And then God will give me a scripture, so I start with that scripture, or he will call to my mind some event, and I speak about that, and subsequently the scriptures attached to that event. When you go that way, you are not trying to impress men or please men. You are a servant of God and you are speaking that which God wants spoken. One of the more difficult messages that I had to speak came when I was visiting with my favorite aunt, who attended Church of Christ all her life. As I was talking with her, I heard from the Holy Spirit tell her about, being taken into heaven. I really didn't want to do that. But God had taught me to yield to the Holy Spirit, to not only recognize when the Holy Spirit brought something to my mind, but to yield to the Holy Spirit, because we have choices. The Holy Spirit does not make us deliver any message. He just shows us what God wants spoken. And we can either speak it or we can speak another message which will please the people. So I was very thoroughly trained by God from the year 1985 when I was born again up until God put me on radio on January 10, 1980. So for five years, God taught me to hear the Holy Spirit and speak what the Holy Spirit brought to my mind. Whether I was with an individual or whether I was in front of a church group or whether I was on radio, it's the same procedure. Speak the message that is from God. This is the real work of a minister Of Jesus Christ. Several times I heard the following from God Stay free and serve me. If you get yourself in bondage to debt, it would be much harder to speak freely, for you might offend somebody, and that would be a person who gave offerings. And you could be influenced by that if you are burdened by debt. Another thing you have to be very careful about as a minister is being influenced by praise of other people. For that could cause you to hold back certain messages from the congregation. You have to work as a minister to stay free so that you can speak the messages from God. I did not take a salaried job in an organized church. I didn't seek a salary job in organized church. What God did with me is he spoke to me On January the 10th, 1980, God spoke three words to me in the night, and by those words, I knew the type of ministry that I would be doing. It wasn't going to be in church buildings. God put me on radio. I didn't have any messages checked by anyone. They didn't tell me on the radio station what to speak and what not to speak, at least in the first years. I was in a prayer group at the time I heard those three words, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS, and was led to go on radio. A woman in the prayer group said before you speak anything on radio you should go to your pastor and have him check the message to be sure it's all right. I did not do that. It was God who put me on radio. It was God who trained me to be a minister. The messages that I spoke had to be from God, not from a pastor, not from another person, not from the radio station manager, or any other influence. I had to be persuaded in my heart that what I was speaking to the radio audience was that which God wanted me to speak. That was January 10th, 1980, that I heard from God. Within about five days of hearing those words from God, I was exhorting the church on radio station KWJS on Mondays through Fridays for 30 minutes every day. I would record the messages and send them to the radio station I didn't even know how to edit a recording tape. I simply took my kitchen timer, prayed to God asking him to give me exactly what he wanted on that message. I turned on my kitchen timer and recorded the radio message from beginning to end without any editing. From the beginning of the time I went on radio, I was instantly very well received by the congregations because the messages God gave me to speak for the first two years were messages on the subject of taking thoughts captive, following God by His Spirit, knowing when it is God speaking to you, and dealing with destructive thoughts. These are things. The radio audience needed to hear and wanted to hear. By 1982, I was on radio from Hartford to Seattle with cities in between, starting with KWJS. The three words that I heard from God, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. One at a time, I would add radio stations. Then God gave me a plan on how to add even more stations immediately. So I did that plan, and within two years, I was on probably 15 or 16 radio stations from coast to coast in the United States speaking to the congregations. The meetings were getting larger and larger, When I would go into the radio cities and have meetings, more and more people were coming. It was growing rapidly. I was at a meeting in Seattle in 1982. And on the way from the meeting place to the airport, God said to me, The foundation is laid. Now we're really going to move. That sounded wonderful to me. I didn't know exactly what it meant, but I could picture more and more radio stations and more and more people coming to the meetings that I had for the radio audience. That is not what happened. God's idea of going forward was another plan. A few days after hearing that, I heard from God, the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. I didn't know what that meant either. I was going to find out very shortly. For about three or four days later, God called my attention to things that were going on In big time ministries of radio and TV ministers, and I saw how these were wrong. In one instance, Jimmy Swaggart's former ad agent told me that Swaggart came to Michael Ellison Advertising Agency because he was tired of having so few people come to his meetings. He would have three to 500 come to a meeting, and he wanted to be big and have lots of people come to meetings, so he went to Michael Ellison Advertising Agency, which promotes ministries. They evaluated what he was doing, and they said, oh, it's very simple. All you have to do, because he was a country-western-type gospel singer and could play piano, All you have to do, cut back on the preaching and spend more time with music and perform music for your congregations, and they'll come to your meetings. Almost instantly, he went from 500 people to 2,000 people per meeting, and then more than that, I suppose. When the ad agent told me what Swaggart had done, I didn't see anything wrong with it. But after God said to me, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, God opened my eyes to see the problem with the plan he was using given to him by the ad agency. He had cut back the preaching of the word of God and had begun doing much more music and entertaining the people who came to his meetings. And they flocked in to hear the music. The message I had for Swaggart was, stop doing all of this music at your meetings and return to preaching the Word of God. To be able to get that message to Swaggart God showed me to speak that message on my radio broadcast in 1982 which went from coast to coast. When I spoke that message people in favor with Swaggart delivered the message to Swaggart of what I was speaking. The first thing that happened to me is Swaggart who owned KWJS and a radio station in Houston instantly stopped my broadcast and put me off the air. That was the first thing that happened. And then large amounts of hate mail began coming in from the followers of Jimmy Swagger. Many people stopped giving contributions, which paid for radio broadcast. But I still had enough money, even with the loss, to continue the radio, other radio broadcast. At first, only the two stations owned by Swaggart put me off the air. But the other stations allowed me to continue speaking. God showed me to send a message to the minister, Jim Baker of the Jim and Tammy Faye Baker television show. And the message had to do with adultery. That was 1982. I had no idea that Jim Baker was involved at that time with another woman committing adultery. I just simply presented the teaching on the subject of adultery and fornication and sent it to jim baker's office god showed me to name this ministry jesus ministries and on the letterhead i had the words jesus ministry and i had said from a prophet of jesus christ to jim baker whoever opened the envelope completely misread it although the message was on a cassette recording I received a letter from supposedly Jim Baker. It looked like it was hand-signed by Jim Baker, but it wasn't. It was one of those types of letters that ministers do in mass, and they send to people who write to them. And the letter said, Dear Jesus... Thank you for your inspiring message. Jesus, I want you to know that Tammy Faye and I prayed for you today. What is going on? Well, whoever opened the letter that I sent saw the name of the ministry at the top of the letter, Jesus Ministries, and thought the person who sent the message was named Jesus. Jesus. Of course, they didn't pray that day for Jesus. It's all a gimmick. It's all phony. Shortly after I sent the message concerning adultery, it was revealed that Jim Baker was having a sexual affair with one of the church secretaries named Jessica Hahn. She went on to write articles for Playboy magazine telling about her affair with Jim Baker. God knows exactly what area of correction is needed. The two offices, ministry offices, given to me by God are the office of apostle and prophet. Apostles deal very strongly in Bible and they will try to turn church groups and individuals back to doctrines of Christ when the doctrines they are speaking are perverted from the New Testament Bible. Prophets constantly deliver messages of correction to individuals in the church or to churches themselves or two ministers. That's the job of a prophet. God had trained me for five years before putting me on radio. He had trained me in Old Testament and New Testament, showing me how to do these ministry offices to which I was called. There have been so many times since I have been on internet, doing a blog, and doing podcasts, that I have received letters from ministers wanting me to be their supervisor. If they are real ministers of Jesus Christ, it is Jesus Christ who has called them to the ministry office, and it is Jesus Christ who teaches them by His Spirit. I would say that the vast majority of letters that I received through the years from these ministers, these ministers were not called by God. They were not taught by God. They wanted a spiritual supervisor, and they had chosen me. Well, I never did such a thing as they wanted. If you are called by God to the ministry... It is God who teaches you and shows you exactly what you are to do. There are five ministry offices. After Jesus arose, after the crucifixion and resurrection, he gave to the church the ministries of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's Ephesians chapter 4, 11, 12. I have found so much perversion in ministries over the past 40 years. So much error when I would try to go to a church service and hear what the ministers were saying. I was shocked. For example, at one church that I attended, a non-denominational church, the pastor was speaking on a Wednesday night to maybe 200 people. pastor was speaking on the subject of the woman taken in adultery, John chapter 8. And he said, And when they brought this woman before Jesus, She was naked from the waist up. I was shocked. I knew that wasn't in John 8. I looked around quickly at the congregation to see if anyone was picking up a Bible to check this story. I didn't see anyone pick up a Bible to read John 8. There were some men in the congregation who had done some construction work for me in an apartment that I had built. These men had very large, lustful looks on their face as they smiled, thinking of this woman brought before Jesus naked from the waist up, picturing her in their minds. This pastor was loosing lasciviousness, in the congregation. And not only that, it wasn't even a true story. I called the pastor the next day and I said, I don't find what you spoke in John 8. Can you tell me where it says the woman was brought to Jesus naked from the waist up? The exact words were this from that pastor well, I just can't remember where that is in the Bible. And I said to him, it's very important for me to know this. So would you please look it up and ask your secretary to call me and tell me where that is in the Bible? He was very silent for a few moments. Then he began screaming into the phone. Well, all oh, right, it's not in the Bible. Where do you go to church? That happened on one Wednesday night. The next Sunday morning, I visited another non denominational church. The pastor was teaching the Sunday school class, and the class was all about the subject of Abraham's wife, Sarah and her handmaiden, Hagar. And the pastor said, Sarah and Hagar were half-sisters. I was shocked. I came home and went to Genesis and read all the passage of Scripture concerning Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. It didn't say that in the Bible at all. I could find no reference in the Old Testament to Sarah and Hagar being half-sisters. So does this really matter? Of course it matters. Your pastor has just told you something from the Bible as if it is true. Truth matters. So Monday morning after that Sunday service, I called and asked to speak to the pastor. And I told him that I couldn't find it in the Bible where Sarah and Hagar were half-sisters. And I said, please, where is this in the Bible? He was quiet for a few seconds. And then he said, well, I just can't remember where it is. And I said, well, it's just very important for me to know So, would you look it up and tell your secretary and have her call me and tell me where in the Bible it says that Sarah and Hagar were half sisters? He became very quiet and then he became very angry and he said, All right, it's not in the Bible. During that same period of time, I was trying to find a church to attend just as a congregation attends a church. I visited several churches during the space of one month in mid-1990. Over and over, pastors would speak things that just weren't in the Bible, and they spoke them as if they were truths from the Bible and I would talk to them about it. I never found one pastor who would repent or who had any grief whatsoever, although he knew what he was speaking was not true. I was deeply grieved. What is going on? Why can't you find a church to attend? In the year 2015, God showed me these pastors were Antichrist. Antichrist comes speaking that which is opposite to the scriptures. And he also showed me the truth of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul said in the last days before Jesus could come, there would be a falling away. And God said to me, the falling away are not people leaving the churches. It's churches leaving the scripture. That's Antichrist in the churches. I was comforted by that message because at least now I knew why these pastors had no sorrow, though they knew they were not speaking truth from the Bible it was ordained that Antichrist would come into the churches. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul tells us this. Now another great deception is the churches at that time were teaching their people that Antichrist was going to come through governments of men and nations of men. Here's two passages of scripture which show us Antichrist comes through the church. Please look at 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 18. The Apostle John, speaking to his church group, and at that time, so far as I know, they met in homes the early church verse 18 john said little children it is the last time jesus was already crucified and resurrected into heaven and the new testament church was put in place and john said little children it is the last time and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists. Right there among the church, whereby we know it is the last time. Now this church of, that John was speaking to, this was the real church, not the church that later became denominations and spoke false doctrines and changed the New Testament Bible. This was the real church. And in verse 19, John says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, left us, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Antichrist were right there in his church gathering. He said there were many antichrist. Paul confirms this in Acts 20. Paul is speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. In verse 29, he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, Also of your own selves, of the elders of the church at Ephesus, shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul said, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual, but as unto you as carnal. For one of you will say, I'm of a Paul, and another will say, I'm of Apollos. And he says, is this not carnal? What it does is it divides the body of Christ. The minute you tell someone where you go to church, you bring division to the body of Christ because there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, One congregation. And all these denominations, and you're telling people, the church you go to, you think you're witnessing to Jesus. You're not. You're dividing the body of Christ. Just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, we only have one doctrine, and that is, the New Testament Bible. But men have changed things that they've read in some of these scriptures and set up other doctrines, especially on the subject of divorce and remarriage. In closing, I'll share one other scripture with you, Matthew five thirty-two, because this just blows it wide open. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5.32 and see if this is what your church is teaching. Jesus says, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. Now, why would that cause her to commit adultery? Because this faithful wife was divorced by her husband, she went out and remarried. And when she remarried, she committed adultery as a divorced woman, remarrying. So reading this again, Jesus says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I've never heard this scripture taught in any church that I have attended in 40 plus years. There are other doctrines that are anti-Christ, opposite to the doctrines of Christ. Each of us will appear at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And when we appear at the judgment seat of Christ, we will receive for that which we have done, says Paul, whether good or bad. And Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, We persuade men. Between this time right now and the time you die or are taken off this earth by the appearing of Jesus, this is the time to look at your New Testament Bible to compare these verses of Scripture with what's being taught by your pastor at the New Testament church. And when you find something being taught that's opposite to the instruction given in the New Testament Bible, it is your responsibility to get out of that church. For that church is Antichrist. And I suggest you read Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Because it says that this man of lawlessness, Antichrist, that he will sit in the temple of God showing himself to be God. He will be the pastors who bring false doctrine into their church groups and tell men that it's okay for them to marry a divorced woman opposite to Christ and tell women, it's okay for you to remarry after divorce, opposite to the doctrines of Christ in the New Testament Bible, that's Antichrist. And if you approve that doctrine, you're Antichrist. Each of us will be judged individually at the judgment seat of Christ. We better take this very seriously and check all of the New Testament Bible, verse by verse, and be sure that's the doctrine that you've learned from churches. And if it is not the doctrine that's in your heart that you learned from your church group, you must uproot the false doctrine by the Holy Bible, the New Testament Bible, and replace the truth, the true doctrine in your heart, and begin agreeing with the true doctrine, what God says in the New Testament Bible. Begin agreeing with that before you're judged at the day of judgment. For if you are living in a false doctrine, you will lose reward in heaven. Some will be destroyed by God at the coming of Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 10 through 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Those people who have such pleasure in attending church and being a part of the group and going to the dinners and all the functions that they put up with doctrines that are not the doctrines of Christ presented in the New Testament Bible. You put your life in serious jeopardy if you do this. There are many times I've had to leave a church group because the pastor was teaching a doctrine opposite to the doctrine that I read in the New Testament Bible. At the judgment seat of Christ. Each of us. Will receive. For that which we've done on this earth. Whether it be good or bad. And we need to really have. Our doctrine. Fitting. The doctrine. Of the New Testament Bible. And Paul says in Romans. Romans. 12 to, be not conformed to this world to the thinking of this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind by reading the Bible before Jesus returns the doctrine in your heart needs to fit the doctrine of the New Testament Bible. And you have the responsibility of dealing with doctrine that is opposite from the New Testament Bible. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.